This past week, I heard something I thought was pretty funny. So, Jimmy, Jimmy was, he was, Jimmy was sound asleep. His mom came in and said, Jimmy, time to get up. Let's go to church. Mom, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church, Mom. Jimmy, get up. Mom, I feel weird there. People don't like me. They talk about me. I'm not going. You're going, Jimmy. I'm not going. You're going, Jimmy. I'm not going. You're going, Jimmy. Jimmy, listen. Listen, Jimmy. That's not true. They do like you. They love you, Jimmy. Mom, Jimmy, they like you. They like you. I'm not going. You're going, Jimmy. You're going. Jimmy, you're the pastor. Get up. <laughs> that has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon today, but I, <laughs> I heard it this week, and I just thought, man, that is hilarious. And so anyway, we, uh, we're, we're in the, the actually, the, the final week, the last week of a sermon series that's been going on all summer literally all summer, and it's called My Last Sermon. So, as I say each week, if I were going to, if I knew I had, uh, if I knew I had limited time, limited number, of, limited number of sermons available, what would I say? And we've shared all kind of, we've talked about all kind of things. But last week, we started talking about a daring life. And I shared with you that I wear this bracelet, as, as I've talked earlier, about the ministry that we run called Heart of David. And, I, and that what we're trying to do, I don't know if you can see that, but we wear these bracelets called Warrior Life, L-Y-F-E. And I told you last week that it stands for willing, accepted, responsible, redeemed, important, obedient. And then the last one is Ready. And then life, ready for what? To live with, with a Y, your faith extreme. And I want you to know that in the years and years that we've been, we've been doing this, I've seen things happening that I can't explain. I've seen, I've seen fear turn into power. Can't explain it. Can't explain it. But there's one thing that I do know. I know this, you, me, we have been given one life, one life. We have been given one chance to come to this earth and live a life. Live a life. I love, we say all the time, such a time as this. This is your time. This is it. What are you going to do with that life? of your being so like you're really gonna dig this plan you know what I mean like this is gonna be an awesome plan because nobody knows you like I know you so that's that's what God and he there's this plan so we got one life but so often we allow things to detour us and I see so many people at the latter stages of their life that are like 
I got to make a change. Some call it a midlife crisis. But see, we, we see it happen in 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids. All day, every day. And I have seen courage take a stand that I cannot explain to you, but I have watched lives go from something that you think about you or, or you read about and you only see on TV to lives of power and taking a stand. And yeah, I am blown away by it. And I'm reminded every single time I see it, which is almost every day, that that is you and me. And we got the same power living in us. Because, see, God's given you a life that he has a plan for. What are you going to do with it? I love, he's calling you to fight for that life, by the way. I mean, you know, you really, like, really, God says fight. He's not saying it's going to be easy. He's saying go fight for it. Right? And I love, there's this guy that I read a lot of. His name's Ed Cole, and he says this. The people who fight best in life aren't the smartest, the strongest, most brilliant, and talented. They're simply those who won't quit, who tenaciously grip the sword of faith with endurance, guts, and a resolute spirit. They believe their life has purpose. They believe their life has meaning, that a divine destiny lies before them, and that their destiny is something worth fighting for. Courage, listen, is the result of an embraced destiny. I feel like I need to throw a hallelujah out on that. But listen, Andrew Jackson, I love what he said. He said, one man with courage, one man with courage makes a majority. And so as we've been talking about this daring life, like last week we looked at the story of Eleazar, which is the take a stand story. I encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. We talked about Eleazar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And how a daring life believes truth. Well, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. But a daring life believes truth. And then when others bow against truth, you stand. And you take a stand. And we saw the power that God has, that we have access to. This week, we're going to talk about Daring Life Part 2. Last thing I got. I'm out. I don't, you, you don't have to worry about me after this. But listen, listen. I want you to know, as I said last week, I'm very, very, very passionate about this, this topic. And the reason I'm passionate is because I've seen people do it. I've seen them change. And when you see that over and over and over again, it's so hard not to share it with you. Expectancy, listen, listen to this. Expectancy is the atmosphere for miracles. I read that again this week. Expectancy is the atmosphere for miracles. And I read that after I actually wrote this. And this is how I know God was telling me to do this. A daring life, look, and I, listen, I wrote, responds, a daring life responds to fear with faith, with worship, acclaimed victory, and an expectation. And then I read, expectancy is the atmosphere for miracles. Expectancy is the atmosphere for miracles. Are you closing yourself off to miracles? If you have your Bibles today, 
It'll be up on the screen. Turn to 2 Chronicles 20. I love this story. You know, the, uh, when I was the worship leader here at Bellwether, we, 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 we studied this story a lot, and we talked about the power of worship. And there's a, there's a whole other lesson that I would literally love to share one day about worship. But today, I want us just to look. I want us to look at, at this. And so, I'm going to... It's a, it, it's a lot to read, but I'm going to talk to you right now. Just I'm going to, I'm going to, let me explain the first 14 verses. Okay, so Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah, right? And he was, he'd, actually he had just gotten back from fighting this battle that was a little bit shaky, you know, whatever. But he, so he rolls in. It wasn't like he rolled in. It was like, oh, man, hey, you know, rah, rah, everything's great. He had just rolled in. He probably a little bit, whoo, all right, made it. But so it says right here, so when you see after this, that's what it's talking about. It says that, these armies, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Mennonites, like, they came to make war with Jehoshaphat. So what happened was Jehoshaphat rolled in there, and after a while, he said, the people come to him, they go, hey, man, hey, listen, King Jehoshaphat, there's like three armies out there, and they're coming to take you off the map. They're coming to take you off the map, and they want to wipe you out. And, and the word says vast, which I love that translate, vast, as in like you look out, and that's what you see. It's just people. And you're going, huh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> no, but look, you know what, you know what it says? So, so then it says they, they came and they said, this, this huge army is coming against you. And it, and it tells us that Jehoshaphat was alarmed. Alarm, translation again, fearful. So he experienced fear there. But then it says, he went to inquire of the Lord. So in the middle of a vast army sitting out there, he was like, hold up, hold up, y'all. Listen, 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 listen. I'm going to chill out for a minute. I'm going to go see what God has has got. I'm going to go talk to him for a little bit. And then we're going to fast. The whole community, all of us, we're going to fast. Well, y'all know, a fast doesn't, he he wasn't like, hey, man, we're going to fast for lunch. And then we're going to go take care of this right here. No, a fast takes time. A fast takes time. And I love thinking about, what do you think the people were doing? Fast. We're about to get what? Man, my, 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 my kids are right here. And you, you're going to go out and fat, like chill out for a while while there's three armies? Like, look, King, I just want you to take care of my family. You, you, I just want you to fight for me. I mean, can, can you imagine that? But it says he stopped, went to the Lord, and proclaimed a fast. But then, then he got up and he stood before the community. And, he, and it says here that he spoke to him, and the first thing he did he, as, when he prayed, he, he said, O oh Lord, God of our fathers, O oh Lord, God of our fathers, aren't you the God who's in heaven? You rule over nations and kingdoms and power and might are in your hand. And then he goes on, and he starts listing some things that God's done in the past. He starts reminding himself and the people and expressing to the Lord the power that the Almighty God has. And see, when he does that, you see him seeking God's will. And then he keeps on. And I love in in verse 8, he goes and then he says, Lord, like, 
Like, listen. If calamity comes upon us, like if these dudes struck, if it gets, if it gets real bad, Lord, I know we're going to trip out. But we know you can. We know you can, God. We don't know what to do. We don't, we don't know what to do, God, because, this, man, look, in our strength, we can't go against this army. We don't know what to do, but, but our eyes are on you because, see, we just talked about what you've done in the past. And it says, all the men of, of Judah and their wives and children and little ones, they stood there before the Lord. And I've always, you know, it's so, so easy to read over that. I've always been blown away by that because they stood there before the Lord. Well, there was a vast army sitting out there. So there was something about what Jehoshaphat had just prayed to God that apparently calmed them down a little bit, that apparently brought them some peace. Now, that's my take. They stood before the Lord's, right? So stand especially, was, it wasn't like they were going, oh my goodness. I, no. It says they stood before the Lord. That moms, father, their kids. What would it take for you if there was an army right there on the other side of I-55? If there was a huge army sitting there going, oh, man, they were just, man, I can't wait. We're about to tear y'all up. And we were the only ones in here that were going to defend a gigantic army. What would you do if your kids were sitting right here? And I was the king, and I was like, well, I know at least my wife would be like, you better get out there and do something. <laughs> you know? Just an example. No, I'm just kidding. But I love the way they stood. And so let's pick up on let's pick up on 15. And so the spirit of the Lord, there was this guy there named Jehaziel, right? And the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, right? So God was speaking through Jehaziel. And Jehaziel says this: Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites, they stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left before the they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me. Judah and people of Jerusalem, have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in the prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. 
singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing, as they began to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. Mm. That's a powerful story. That's a powerful story because, see, it is the exact opposite of what you would expect, isn't it? Isn't it the exact opposite of what you would expect? So there's this huge army coming after Jehoshaphat. Says he was afraid, right? What we just talked about. He sought the Lord's will. And then he shows faith because he's like, even if calamity comes upon us, like even if, we know. Like he, so he demonstrates faith. And what I want to talk to you about today, listen, listen. Point number one for this, for a daring life. A daring life responds to fear with faith. Well, how? How? Because if we're honest, we sit so many times and we hear faith, 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 gotta have faith, gotta have faith, gotta have faith. Even George Michael sang about it. You know, I mean, like, just gotta, Neil's gonna demonstrate that for us here in a little while. (laughs) No, but really, like, faith, it's so easy to hear, you just gotta have faith. But how? How do you have faith? What we see here is by believing God's promises. Well, Chris, I don't know God's promises. Well, let's see. Maybe that's the reason he put them in here so you could know them. It's a reason that's important. See, God's promises, there's something about a promise that the Almighty God has made to you and has made to me. In fact, Charles Spurgeon says this, I like to plunge my hand into the promises. Then I find myself able to grasp with a grip of determination the mighty faithfulness of God. An omnipotent plea with God is this, do as you have said. Just do what you said. God, you you said this back then, and you did this back then, so I'm going to stand over here, and God, I'm just going to go ahead and claim what you've already done. See, when you know God's promises, you can claim, literally, you can claim that promise. I used to have a, a lady that, that kept our kids all the time, and, and, and she would say, I would come in tripping out on something years ago when I was in medical, medical sales, and she'd go, baby, you just got to claim it. I was like, huh, claim it? You just got to claim it. And I always wondered, because I didn't know the Lord at that time, I always wondered, huh, what in the world is she talking about claiming it? What does that even mean? But I watched it demonstrated in her life. You got to claim it. And I love God's, you know, God's promise. There's a promise that we hear all the time. In fact, we just sang about it. And it was a promise that was made to us, actually a covenant that God made. It says, I will never leave you or forsake you. How many people have heard that? So is there anybody in here, rather, that has never heard that God has made a promise that he will not leave us or forsake us? Right, we've been hearing it our whole lives. We've been hearing it our whole lives. But check this out. What, back in Deuteronomy, is when that, is when that, 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 covenant was made see it was a covenant between God and his people a covenant was like 
Yeah, like there's a promise that he made. Just, th- just this one, it says this. This is the amplified version. Okay, this is the amplified version of the original, the original text. For he got him, and this is, this, by the way, this is Paul in Hebrews talking about it back then, but he quotes it. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you or give you up nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake nor let you down nor relax my hold on you. Assuredly not is what, see, that's the promise. I'll never leave you or forsake you is what we hear. But he's saying, I will not, I will not, I will not. Assuredly not. There is nothing you can do to ever make me break that promise. And then, and then Paul says, this is why. That right there is why we can boldly and confidently say, the Lord is my helper. But see, here's the part of it that's pretty cool. We often read, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. But see, the reason that it went on and on and on, he said, I will not, I will not, I will not, I will not, is the original words by the writer were actually words of covenant, of covenant. And in that time, in that culture, to strike a covenant with someone, you would have to have three people. I mean, you'd have to have a witness there and you would have to repeat it three times. So whatever, the, whatever your covenant want, what was going to be, for it to be legally binding, you would have to repeat it three times in front of a witness. And so what God was doing was he was using a word in this text that doesn't imply, he's not saying, hey man, this might be a legally binding contract. He uses the word that is literally legally binding. It is a legally binding contract to you that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you no matter what happens. It is a legally binding pr- promise. It's irrefutable. You cannot, there's nothing you can do to make that untrue. Nothing. Nothing you can do. And yet so often our fears, our fears that, that we have, these, these fears, hidden fears, if we're honest, for some of us. Like they, they rage against us in this battle. And we, we decide, well, I'm going to go fight. I got, I got, yeah, there's a fear, fear. But see, what we forget is that the Almighty God has made a one promise He's made tons of promises to you, but based on one promise, you got the power of the almighty God to fight your battle for you. But we approach it in such a different way, don't we? It's a promise. And see, the thing about these fears is that they can keep us, they can keep you from your God-given destiny. It is the reason, it's the reason in Joshua 8, 1, he said, fear not, fear not. Joshua said, hey, fear, fear not. You know, you know why? You know, you know why I said that? Because the people, they were getting scared, and he was saying, listen, it's going to keep you from your destiny. Something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It's going to keep you from your destiny. Don't be afraid. Whoa, 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 whoa. You got the almighty God that can fight for you. Don't be afraid. And so I ask, 
And I want you to be honest with yourself. Is that you? Is that you? Because what I want you to know today is based on that one, that one promise, you have been given permission by the almighty God to live a daring life, a life of courage, a life of endurance, a life of strength, an empowered life, an empowered life powered by his Holy Spirit. Because he's always with you. And he will never leave you. And that is why you can boldly and confidently say, this is the Lord, my helper. That's why. From that one promise. And look, this book is full of them. It's full of them. But yet our fears have a chance of destroying our lives. And we're talking about one promise. And it's completely full of them. God's given you the power to face your fears with faith. That, in faith, just that one, in faith is why you can face your fears. See, believing God's promises allows you, listen, listen to this. You face your fears, right? But believing in his, truly believing in that promise allows you not only to face your fears, but to move into it but to move into your fears. And if we're honest, y'all, if we're honest, that's where so many of us stop. We stop right there. We face our fears. We may, uh, but we just want to get by. Let's just get by and eventually it's going to go away. No, no. You face your fear. And what God is saying, you know my promises. Now get you move into the fears. That's taking a stand. You move into it with strength and with power and with might. And when you do that, as you see Jehoshaphat do, you do it in worship. You start worshiping God, listen, praising God in advance for what he's going to do. In advance for what he's going to do. We literally just saw it, didn't we? Did we not see that? You look at verse 21, and, or 20 and 21, it says, early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. You know, the, the cool thing about that word left is that it's, the translation there is actually, they marched. So that means, right, they, were, they, were, that, I mean, they didn't just get up there and like groove on out and cruise down there. No, they were marching. They were, I mean, it was military. They marched. So they were prepared. They moved towards it. They moved towards it. And you see, as they were moving towards it, listen, Jehoshaphat put some, stuck some men out there and he said, hey, listen, guess what? Why don't you go sing praises? Do what? Uh, excuse me? You want me to go sing praises? Hey, man, walk out there and start singing praises and see what happens. See what happens. But there's an army, man. I don't know. That doesn't sound right. There's an army. Uh-uh-uh. Where's my spear? Where's my AK? Where's my blade? I need my Chinese thrower, you know? That's how we think. But what God said, hey, we're going to do something completely outside the norm right here. That's what he does. And see, what we end up seeing right there is as they begin to sing, well, first of all, those guys walked out and they were like, they started singing, 
Give thanks to the Lord, his, his, his love endures forever, which, by the way, if you go into the Psalms, that's why you see in so many Psalms, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. And as they began to sing praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab, then they rose up against each other. God wiped them all out. He wiped them all out. See, they moved towards their fears with worship and praising God in advance for what he could do. You know why? Why did they do that? Why, why did they do that? Because you and I, you serve a God that can. You serve a God that can. I need you to hear that today because, listen, I know there's some of you here and you think it and you want to believe it. But you got things going on in your life right now and you don't think the almighty God can. And he can. And see what they're saying right here. You serve a God that can fight, fight your battles. You serve, a God, you serve a God that can part the sea. You serve a God that can calm the storm. You serve a God that can turn water into wine, that can raise a dead man. You serve a God that can, and you need to believe it. Because as I say all the time, Ephesians 3 says, your God is able, and he does immeasurably more than you ever ask or imagine. When you march toward your fears in praise, when you march toward your fears in worship, you see, something starts happening when, you're, when you start praising God. God, you can. You can, God. You can. And you start praising him in advance for what he's going to do. Your fears get smaller because your God gets bigger. There's power in the name of the almighty God. And I need you to understand something, man. I, I, I really do. I, I hear this so much. And I'm telling you, it hurts my heart. And y'all going to be like, shut up, Chris. You talk about this all summer. But when people come and I see this, 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 I see in them something that is special, every one of you. And they're like, oh, my goodness, my life's just. And, I, and listen, I feel for them. I get it. I get it. I've been there. And I see them crouched down, defeated. But I also see them. I know that they know Jesus. And I, know, I, ha, I sit there and I think, what, what is wrong with this picture? What is wrong with this picture? Because the Almighty God has given you power to face fears that you never thought you could. And he's saying, no, you just look. You put me in front of them. He's saying, you, let me do it, Chris. I can. Let me do it. You start telling yourself, I can. Oh, you just let me out of the cage and see what happens. See, that's God. That's God. Instead of letting him out of the cage, he's saying, give me that 10% of your life that you won't give me. Because, you, you know, you're really kind of scared of that. What's the part that you're keeping from God? I see this with, with young, young men and women all the time. You know, y'all, listen, listen, y'all are, y'all are getting ready to go back to school. Or actually, you've already been back to school. You're going to be faced with some crazy stuff. You're going to be faced with, you're going to have opportunities to take a stand. And the question is, is fear going to keep you from doing it? 
You're going to see bullying. You're going to see partying. You're going to be in, in chances and opportunities at parties to do things you don't need to be doing. The question is, do you have the power to take a stand? And the answer to that question is, if you believe in Jesus, there's a power in you that that force has got nothing against. You just got to claim it. And see what happens. What happens so often, and listen, for us adults, it's the same thing. I, I laugh all, you know, y'all, I laugh all the time, like, hey, man, we're getting ready to go up to this football season. But there's no difference. We're all going to be faced with the same thing. It can be an illness. It can be a certain, there's fear that just, it takes us and keeps us. Because see what happens when you take that step step of faith and you trust the almighty God and you use his power, what happens right there is it empowers you. And all of a sudden you got the strength to take the next step. You respond to fear with faith in God's promises. Second thing is you move toward your fears with worship, praising God in advance for what he's going to do. And the third thing, the third thing, real easy. We see it right here in verse 17. You stand firm. You stand firm. And you wait in expectation. A lot of us are in waiting mode right now, aren't we? We've been waiting, we've been waiting, we've been waiting, we've been waiting. But you know what we're not? We're not expecting. And see, the word's very clear. When you wait in expectation of knowing that, oh, I'm waiting because I serve a God that can changes things. That changes things. I want to tell you all that years ago, 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, we started Ignite Sports Camp. And I'll never forget, we, we went and, you know, we agreed to, to get together and start praying about some things. That's all we did. Let's just pray about some things. Let's just see what God does. And as we prayed for him, I'd write them down. Sometimes I just write them down. We prayed for all these specific things. God, we just feel like you're saying we need this. We feel like you're saying that you're going to do We write them. Write them down. Ten years. Every time we get together, we remind ourselves, man, I feel like God's doing this. God, you know what? And, and then we would start seeing things that would happen. We'd see these lives that would be changing. We would feel this empower. We literally, we'd feel this power. Well, you know what? You know, you know the irony behind this or what's so amazing about our God? In the last six months, every one of those prayers have been answered. And then some. A lot of some. Everyone, 10 years later. And listen, there was a group of us. And I'm going to be honest, man. There were days where I was like, oh, man, ugh. But my brother over here would be like, hey, man, uh-uh, come on, come on. We're going to believe. I specifically remember Dobby. The times of me going, oh, man, and Dobby would be like, uh-uh, Chris, now hold up. We prayed for this. You see, I was around a group of people. I, was, I, was, I had people that were holding me accountable. I can't tell you, literally, I, I can't tell you how many times that happened. And see, the reason I believe that I serve a God that is able and does immeasurably more than he can ever ask or imagine is because that's what he's done. And that's what I've seen. I had people that helped me wait in expectation. 
to stand firm. Jehoshaphat got bad news. He got some bad news. He got scared. We've all, we've, we've all been there. But he went to the Lord. He sought God's will. And then he believed in his promises and he stood firm and he worshiped God in advance. And God fought for him. He brought about a mighty victory through praising his name. And the last verse, verse 30 says this, And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Now what I know is this. There's some of you here today that need rest. You need peace on every side. You need peace on every side. And the reason you have unrest, the reason you have a lack of peace, the reason is because you're fighting these fears by yourself. And you're not allowing the God of of all to just live his promise in your life. We're going to come forward here shortly and we're going to take communion and I challenge you all, you know, some of you are fearful because of the things. Some are believers. Some of you are believers. You love Jesus. But there's a little, there's a piece of your life, like I said earlier, that you're, that's where your fear is coming from and you're not willing to give it to him. You're not willing to claim victory in advance by truly allowing him that area of your life. Some of your fears is Jesus. You don't know him. You don't. He is speaking to you today. He's been tapping you on the shoulder, and that's the reason you're here in the first place. And I'm going to be honest. Some of you think you do know him because you walk in this place and you go to church each week. That doesn't do it. Because Jesus says, many, 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 many will come before me, and they'll say, I did this, 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 and this, and he'll, uh uh-uh, nope. See, he wants your heart. And some of your fear is giving him your heart. I challenge you today to give God your fears. Give him your fears and live the life that he has called you to live because you have a God-given destiny that is everything you have ever wanted. And I ain't talking prosperity gospel. I'm talking about Jesus and a life that you were created for. It's, It's waiting on you. It's waiting on you but fear can keep you from your destiny. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? Father, as we prepare, as we prepare for communion, as we sing your praises, God, I pray that right now people will come before you, Father, in advance for what they know you are going to do and what they know you can do. But if you choose a different path, God, it's because you know what's best for us. And that we, we find strength in that. But God, we know that you can. And then we need to fill in the blank. Father, I thank you. For, I thank you right now for who, whoever it is that, that you're speaking to, God. I know that you've been telling me all week that, 
There's somebody here that needed to hear that. I thank you that that person is hearing it right now. I pray, God, that you would give them courage to step forth in faith of your promise, that you will never leave them, you will never forsake them, and that every battle that they have in front of them, you will fight. Thank you for that. Amen.